Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruised Banana FC podcast where we're doing an instant reaction to Arsenal's 3-1 win against Manchester United in a game that had ups and downs, especially in maybe the last 15-20 minutes-ish. But we come out with euphoria instead of despair and I'm very, very pleased to be joined today by, again designed by the Bruised Banana FC Random Superlative Objective Generator podcast patent pending the naughtiest Varun how you doing Varun oh you know what I would do some naughty things right now for that win (laughs) I respect it honestly I respect it (laughs) and we are also joined by the freshest Ben are you feeling fresh no no honestly I'm I'm feeling fragile (laughs) my heart's my heart's about 100 beats a minute still it's just you know what? No, nobody will blame you for that, Ben. I think we're all still in that mode a little bit. Is anyone feeling fresh? Like, like, can I, you come out of that so. feeling fresh? I don't think anyone on either side or any set of fans is feeling particularly... Uh, like that's not the word you describe, is it? <laughs> no. And just to, just to finish off, um, I am the neediest Luke. And I guess the thing I need the most is to hear some opinions from you guys. Um so we started the game, and I think in the first half we were pretty dominant in a lot of ways, but I think like Ben was saying it a lot at halftime. We were sitting off them quite a lot. They weren't really doing much. It just ended Anana pumping up the, the pitch and us getting the ball back, but it did feel like they, were, they weren't good enough that we should have feel, felt afraid to really go at them, and it felt like we could have created a lot more in that first half if we really did. So the first thing I want to come to you, Ben, because you mentioned it um, whilst the game was going on, do you feel like we were holding back in the first half? Yeah, I feel like, like I know they're Manchester United. And I know you can play up the rivalry, but their their away record last season was dreadful. Um, they haven't been particularly good so far this season. They've been cut apart pretty easily by Tottenham. They were, you know, cut apart by Wolves, even though they ended up winning that game. They weren't great against Forest to start with, and it felt like we just sort of let them ease into the game and. Get a foot, uh, get a foothold. And you know how they always say, like for away teams, it's always first ten minutes quiet in the crowd. And literally, Anana was just strolling into central midfield and just no pressure whatsoever. And it felt as if there was a, a serious. I don't know. It it felt it was obviously a game plan because we did it for most of the game, but there was no real high press, and it hurt me a bit to see Arsenal so passive because we know how much damage Manchester United can cause in those moments, and we saw it in the first, like, well, for the first goal. There was a bit of a nothing um, chant, like nothing pass in the middle of the pitch, and Rashford scored with his, the first shot they had on target. So it felt like we were playing sort of right into their hands, as if to say, "Well, just sit, like sit there, don't do anything too silly, and we'll just eventually win," which we did. But it could, I feel like it could have been much more comfortable if we'd taken the game to them rather than trying to get them to bring the game to us, because like. What we actually what we ended up seeing was them passing it around their back four for fifty like like fifty percent of the, the first half, and then yeah, as you say, going long, losing it, rinse and repeat because we weren't good enough to get it out the pitch fast enough to create chances, and it was just it it frustrated me. And I, I know I said several times in the in the chat, I was like it's just 
it annoys me that we're playing football this way when we've seen how we can play football in other ways. No, I, I completely agree, to be honest. I think it's it, the big thing of it is, is that it suited them, didn't it? It suited United. I think they probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to admit this, but they're happy to come to the Emirates and get a point because as evidence of pretty much the entirety of the game, we're such a, a better team than they are in, in pretty much every regard. And obviously, you know, they're missing players as well, so that doesn't help them. But I think for them to be able to, you know, to take the sting out of the game and pass around the back, and even if them spanking up the pitch ends up losing the ball, like to them, like it's not a dangerous thing because we still have to get the ball down and get the ball um, up the pitch and break them down. So I do think I completely agree with you in the sense that we should just... I just, I just think them. we showed them too much respect. Like we did. I mean, and and where's the respect going to? Do you know what I mean? Like they've got pensioners in defence <laughs> midfields. They've got yeah, one yeah. one outlet. Like Marshall's up front. They got. I mean, Rashford obviously stung us, which we'll talk about in a bit. But other than that, like, where is the threat? Like, well, they, no one was afraid of him. Anana, and you know, there were a few times Eddie tried to close down Anana, and he just went straight past him. But it just felt like we were like, well, see what you can do from there. And obviously, it wasn't that they could do anything. It was just that the time that they spent on the ball, and then we we get the ball, and then try and attack, it would break down, and they do the same thing again. It was just really, really frustrating to watch because I expect going into the game, I expected us to be the side that dominated the ball, us like like we did for large parts of the second half, you know, and then just shut the back door. But it just felt like we were sort of saying, we were sort of just saying, okay, well, see what you can do, and then we'll probably have a go later. And we've reckon we've got enough quality to beat you in just a like straight gunfight. And I think one of the big things of these games is they tend to be a game of of pretty fine margins, and those margins were kind of illustrated by the fact that, and as I say, I take no pleasure in singling out players, but you know, Habits had a very very big chance, of which he completely missed the ball. And, you know, if we're being serious, that should be 1-0. And if that becomes 1-0, then obviously the, the game changes completely. Because, you know, as it would develop, we, didn't, we don't go ahead until the 95th minute. So I think that, you know, as, as much as, you know, in hindsight, the euphoria of how it did transpire is incredible, then if that chance goes in, I feel like the game goes completely differently. Because, as I say, he misses the ball completely. And then... Havertz also does does a very like kind of weak pass, which ends up being the counter attack that ends up with Rashford. So the the next question is, I'm going to bring you in, Varun. Whilst I completely understand that this doesn't affect Havertz's overall career, because I I think that he probably grew into the game to a certain extent, as as we say, unlucky to not get a penalty. But is this still like a worrying sign? Because this is a big game. And as we say, in these big games, you need the big players to act within those fine margins. And it's probably fair to say that today, Havertz in those fine margins wasn't good enough. I think it's um, it just goes back to the confidence issue that I think not just us, but lots of people have talked about in the past. Um, his spell at Chelsea, especially the latter stages of his spell at Chelsea, has done a number on him in terms of his confidence. And I think it just needs one thing to go his way right now. And then we'll see a new side to Havertz. We'll hopefully see, you know, the kind of stats he used to put up at Leverkusen rather than the kinds of stats that we saw from him towards the end of his Chelsea career. You know, you need something going your way. And obviously, I think the longer it goes on without that little slice of luck, perhaps, the more it will start to weigh on him. 
um, I kind of draw comparisons to uh, perhaps Jesus when he when he first came back, and was it against Leeds at home that he got a penalty goal to kind of get off the mark after his injury last season when he returned, he got that penalty goal and then Trossard set him up for a goal in open play and you saw how much it meant to him and after that he was really good, he went a whole new level, he went to the pre-injury Jesus we saw at the start of last season and I think we kind of need that moment for Havertz to materialise, even if that penalty had been given that would have been something because he won the penalty in that case. So it, it just needs this one thing to go our way with Havertz, and then he'll he'll explode a little bit more, I think. I can see the logic in that, to be fair. He is he does seem like a confidence player, and I think that um, Arteta said in his press conference about the fact that we need to give him love, like he's a player that needs to kind of feel that from the fans, and I completely agree with that. And also the fact that, obviously, such a new player, my my opinion really is that it's fine to criticize when it's time to criticize but I think you can't make those definitive conclusions and that's probably the main thing that we have seen on the timeline of, of social media and and what we probably will see after this game is he deserves criticism and, for the fact yeah no I was just going to say it's exactly like what Arteta said right in his press conference that you cannot judge any player or draw a conclusion on a new player in a new team after three games competitively mm-hmm. like only fools are going to make that kind of a definitive judgment after that little amount of time. Yeah, it's one of those things in it. Football, it, it comes at you fast. And football fans, for for lack of a better term, are, are completely impatient. And, you know, if Arteta is seeing it in training, then I'm willing to gamble that we're going to see it on the pitch eventually. Uh, luckily today, it wasn't something that cost us. Um, but to go back to it, obviously, you know, it was a very lackadaisical pass. Um, ball goes to Ericsson, who plays a really, really nice pass into uh, Rashford, um, who scores the goal. Ramsdale got pretty close. I think got a hand to it, but just not quite enough. But then maybe we needed that because it woke us up. Suddenly, you know, um, uh, I think it was about a minute and a half after after that goal scored. We go through. And Martinelli, who I think was much, much improved in this game, gets the ball through to Captain Odegaard, who I think is is proving now that he's not just a um, a, a flash-in-the-pan goal-scoring midfielder. He's, he's backing up now for the second season in a row. So I'm going to come to you, Ben. What did you feel like when... Because I remember in, in the chat, you mentioned it as a champion's response. How did it make you feel? It was, it was nice to... Um... <sighs> to get back level because I I was tearing my hair out um, by, you know, by the 25th minute or whatever it was, because as I say, we just sort of held United at arm's length and in a game where the margins are so fine and we know that they've got dangerous players, it felt like it was a dangerous game. Um, so when Rashford scored, I was sort of, I, I think I, I literally said in the chat, like it's been coming and it's not because it had been a case of they'd been, dominating in the final third getting off loads of shots but it was just because we were sort of saying okay well what can you do you know we're not we're not playing our normal football which is where I think we should be we should have been playing um we're just sort of trying to combat this and what can you do and that's what they can do because they're for all of their flaws they're a decent enough football team in some areas and Rashford is part of that I just think that that as you say woke us up but also it was the first proper nice move that we put together with the um, back pass out into the left channel and then the cut back to Erdegaard. And it was just, 
it was the sort of thing where you go, it was almost like you wanted to see that from minute one, you know? I know we didn't concede in the first minute, which is great. That's a massive improvement on last week. But um, it was sort of like we wanted to see that immediately. You want to see that um, that drive and that that um, sort of desire to go and take the game away from United immediately. And that was sort of a, oh, you can do this. Well, we can still do this. And I thought, when I said that, I thought that was going to be a point where we sort of build on it. But obviously, that doesn't happen until much later. But, you know, I just thought it was a... It was a moment where you, where Arsenal was sort of stunned into going, well, we can do this. This is what we're we're capable of, and we're going to keep doing it now. Um, yeah, that's that's sort of what I had in mind when I said a champions response because it's the sort of thing you'd see City doing. Feels like instead of uh, it feels like instead of a game of chess like Arteta usually does, we basically ended up playing a game of poker with them. They didn't. Sh- we got them to show their hand before we ended up showing ours. Yeah, yeah, but it just. It felt like we didn't need to, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to continue the poker analogy. I understand completely what you mean, but I just felt like we didn't need to give them as much respect as they as they got. And it was really quite frustrating that we did because it meant that we weren't 3-0 up at halftime, like we probably could have been if we'd been playing properly. And it sort of just became a, a case of, like, sitting back waiting for something to happen to us rather than proactively going to make something happen ourselves i felt it felt a lot like the anthony goal in the the first match against united last season at old trafford's where we were dominating again showing that we were the better team but then all it takes is you know that one kind of mistake in midfield and then one pass and anthony was in and scores a goal it felt like that with the rashford goal where it's almost it's frustrating to the fact that you can know you're better. And I can say this as well because I was watching the game with some friends, two of which were Man United fans. And I was, <laughs> first the first like part of the game, I was just telling them the whole time, I was like, you lot of shit. And, uh, and I was just telling them how much we're dominating the game, how we're going to score soon. And then they score. So, you know, egg on my face at that point. But it just, again, it just it feels so unnecessary. It's like the, the, the Fulham goal as well. And, and and our kind of recent history of conceding soft goals. Like why, why do we allow this? Like we're better than this. We should be killing teams off soon. Like, like it, at the point in time, right. Every team's going to concede stupid goals. We saw Manchester city concede a stupid goal against Sheffield United just last weekend. But at the same time, you know, you can't make a habit out of it. And it just feels like we are, but you know, we come into the second half. It's one, one, it feels again like we're getting a bit more possession now. United aren't playing around the back as much. We're pressing onto them a little bit more, and but we're still being dominant. And then you know we get the the, the thing where Havertz runs into the box, and it looks like he's won us a penalty. Um, can I get I'll get an opinion from you guys on that penalty as well? Because if I mean, firstly, I'll say my my thoughts on it are I can actually understand why it's not a penalty. I don't actually think it's a penalty. My my only grievance with it is is I'm not sure any other team with with the apparent high bar they set on VR, I'm not sure any other team actually gets that reviewed because as much as I don't think it's actually a penalty, I'm not sure it's a a high profile error either. Uh that Varun, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean I, like you say, I, I could understand why the pen wasn't exactly given. Um in terms of whether anybody else would get a call like that going their way. Yeah, you know, I have to say United seem maybe we imagine it because of club bias or whatever, but it does feel like United 
seem to get more favorable decisions, definitely at Old Trafford, but even away. They seem to Ten get Hag more. Ten Hag grave, yeah. But, you know, Ten Hag can be the master of excuse-making, can't he? <laughs> A little bit. So, um, and I'm more than happy for him to come back at me with that if he wants to. But uh, at the moment, he can sit for two weeks as the international break goes on and stew over this result. I mean, to be honest, and I said this to you, Vern, before you started recording, when Anano did the clothesline from Hale on two Wolves players and he came out at the end of it and said, well, you know, VR looked at it and they didn't think it was a penalty. He was quite happy to accept the refereeing decision then. But, you know, yeah. it is yeah. what it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he needs to walk in with an it is what it is uh, statement now in the press conference, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly that. But, you know, after that, it did feel like that flicked a switch a little bit. Um, to a certain extent, we were creating chances. Um, Saka had a really good chance that he really should have put away. But um, then, you know, we're talking about centimetres because United players, it looked like they were dropping like flies. Uh, Maguire had to come on. Um, uh, immediately, that the new striker came on, I think, or is it Hojland or something like that? He, he, to be fair, was giving Gabriel a run for his money. In terms of him coming on, Ben, because Gabriel is a big unit. And there's not many strikers we've seen that can really go into that close proximity, almost kind of like battle of of muscles. But it looked like even though he wasn't winning every single one of them, he was unsettling Gabriel. And that was that was a vocal point for Man United. Like, do you think that 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 was one of the reasons why there was maybe that kind of five minute period towards the end where we just looked a little bit unsettled? Yeah, I think he added a different dimension to Manchester United. Um, I think I think he's a exciting player that I think is one of the areas where he's quite good in terms of getting in the defender's face and trying and battling for the ball which you know is why he was valued so highly but also like it did it did, it just felt like we didn't I don't know it just felt like we never really wanted to go for the jugular like we we were so sure that gaps would open up in the Manchester United side that we never really tried to push for it and I think like there were there were times in sort of with 20, 15, 20 minutes to go where I was sitting there urging them forward and it would go the ball would go sideways and then backwards and or it would go to the left when there was a player free on the right and you know it was one of those games where because it's such fine margins and because it's Manchester United and because we know that if we drop points against Manchester United we're now a minimum of four points behind City it's just like it felt like it was so like scrambly. And it, I think I think United sort of preyed on that a bit because it got really sloppy in the midfield and they were able to do what they do best, which is pick up sort of loose balls and rush forward. And Hoyland was, was good at that because he was running the channels and, as you say, he gave Gabriel a pretty hard time, um, which I think he did well with, in fairness. I think that, was that, mo- that moment was sort of where we see why Gabriel maybe was favoured over Kivior um, because I don't think Kivior deals with it as well just based on sort of Gabriel is the most sort of physical defender we have in that situation. But I just, it felt like he added a whole new dimension, but I think also the game state really helped him um, and United sort of play into that frantic and frenetic sort of midfield battle that they had in the for that like five, 10 minute period. Yeah. It suits United, doesn't it? Because as much as I think they've been pretty happy to come way of a draw when they're up against a team that, is desperate for a win as we were, especially being at the Emirates, then it suits them to have those big spaces to run into. You know, they, they've got players like Rashford who can run into those spaces. They can 
like knock it up to their new kind of like big strong striker that's also got a bit of pace about him. And obviously then they also brought on Garnacho and that brings us quite nicely onto the next point that as much as we, I mean, we've used the word margins quite a lot in this podcast. The margins don't really get finer than this. I, I mean, I don't want to speculate exactly how much, but you know, we're looking at centimeters of uh, Garnacho going through on goal and uh, and scoring what could have been and probably would have been a two-one victory for Manchester United. And we luckily VIs look at it, and Ten Hag does not agree. He thinks there's a different angle, but. Um, uh, he gets called offsides and that feels to me like it's that that's the main switch. So suddenly United have felt like they've won the game and then it's kind of been taken away from them. We've been given that second chance, like that, that near death ex- experience. And then suddenly we're going forwards. We're going close at points. And then I'm going to stick with you, Ben on this one corner goes into the box. I think our corners are very up and down throughout the day. The ball, as Declan Rice said himself, gets controlled on Declan Rice's chin, and then it, there's a bit of deflection. It goes in in the bottom corner. What was your instant reaction to this? Yeah, it was it was genuinely immense relief. Like I probably after some words that I can't say on um, on a podcast, but like, you can say um, not. No, we're a family friendly podcast, Luke. Are we? Well, I am. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I, it was. It was massive relief, more than like euphoria. It wasn't quite Bournemouth, but it was sort of like a we got away with one here because, I've, as I think I've, I've made quite clear, I don't think we were great today by any stretch of the imagination. I think we had a couple of very good performers. Um, obviously, Martinelli, who you've mentioned, and Declan Rice, who was every bit the 105 pound midfielder that you want in your team. He was absolutely phenomenal. But I think that for the most part, I think like Saka was pretty quiet. Erdegaard was sort of in and out. Um, I think Fabio Vieira was very good when he came on, but Havertz, the less said about the better. Um, And it was just one of those games where you have to just find a way to win if you're going to be challenging. And we did. And it was one of those things where I can completely see where, you know, Gabriel's running a screen on Johnny Evans and then gets pulled to the ground because they're just (laughs) tussling. But if if the goal doesn't go in, that's not recognised. So, like, it's one of those things where the same thing would happen in, in our box and we'd all say it was a foul and Ten Hag would come out and say it's a foul, but 99 times out of 100, they're not pulled up on. So, I can like, we had the same with, what was it, Thomas Party screening against Palace for Eddie Nketiah's penalty. We had something similar. So, it was sort of a, a pure elation followed by, a, 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 like, relief followed by sort of a, oh, is this going to get overturned? Is there like an offside? Is there, I don't know, the something else going the fear on? Of VAR. Yeah, there's that VAR fear. Um, and then it was, it was just sort of a because because at that point it was what ninety five minutes. It was a ninety six minute, and then it gets into the. Well, I mean, I can I can say this now. Veron gave me this very nice stat before the game, which is Declan Rice's winner and ninety five minutes and forty three seconds is the latest winning goal in a Premier League match between Arsenal and Manchester United. So it's the ninety sixth minute. And it was what eight minutes added on, and it was just sort of because because the celebrations took so long, and it was like the ninety eighth minute by the time we kicked off again, it was just sort of that sheer fear of what about if we now throw this away? Are they going to go long? You know, are we, gonna, <laughs> are we going to do something the stupid? Last style, yeah. Like yeah, are we going to work so hard to like we get we get away with murder once with the Garnacha thing? We go down the other end, get lucky. Are we going to be able to survive getting away with murder twice? And then obviously Jesus. Um, 
puts it to bed and I'm sure we'll come on to that. But it was just a, it was, I'm still, I'm still talking through it. It felt quite, quite cathartic, but it was like, it was just pure relief, to be honest, more than, more than elation. It was just like, thank God we haven't got to think about dropping points to this shambles of a football team that are playing Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans at centre-back in the 93rd minute of the Emirates. I mean, it would have been a laughing stock, really, wouldn't it? I think the the Fulham result last week and the fashion of it probably does stoke the fire of that anxiety that you're talking about completely yeah, yeah, understandably. Definitely. Because, you know, it, it, one of the things, it was exactly the same. Like, we go a goal down to Fulham, then we kind of really climb that mountain to get into back into winning position. And then we kind of feel that we've done enough. You, like, you don't feel like, especially the fact that after that they went and man down, and then you feel like that's going to be it. We've got the three points and then we don't. So I guess to have that that amazing feeling of seeing that rice goal and it and actually be able to build on that instead of have it stripped away from us again, especially for an international break, because you never want to end on a national break with a bad result because it's hard not to dwell on that as a, I mean, as a fan. United, United are heading into the international break in like 11th. So it, it, that makes me feel better as well. Um, and we got the three points, which is the most important thing. That will definitely make me feel better. So it's just it's just a case of... It's be- it's really beautiful that United and Chelsea are both sitting in the bottom half of the table <laughs> going to the international break. Both teams that destroyed my dreams growing up and destroyed my dreams after I was growing up. <laughs> Man City next, please. Yeah. At least it wasn't Newcastle. Newcastle is still down there as well. So you haven't got yeah. to worry about them for a while. I mean, that's, it's a good thing to think about, to be fair, isn't it? The fact that other than a few, like no team's really been consistent outside the Manchester Cities and and the West Ham, I guess. Strangely, and, and that it, other team in North London, for as much as we hate them, yeah, you know, it's a, to be fair to them. Like I say, it's very begrudgingly that they look quite fun this season, but at the same time, I think they're conceding a lot of chances. And I'd like to say that maybe it's my agenda, but I'd like to say that they're going to get found out eventually by teams that can actually attack. But we'll see. Um, going back to the game. Obviously, as Ben was saying, we're two and up at this point, and we could still throw it away. And to be fair, like United still, when we gave away a few cheap fouls, United still kind of getting the ball up into like into the danger zone into a certain respect, even though they weren't actually creating anything. And then we've got to talk about Fabio Vieira again because coming off the bench, um, at a point he did, and I think again he looked very very tidy. He looks a different player than than the proposition we saw last season doesn't have and maybe this is a good omen for for Havertz I know on understand we're gonna have a lot more expectation of Havertz but it just feels like with Fabio Vera now we're seeing a player that he knows where he needs to be and when he gets the ball he's doing the right things he's calm and when it really matters he's providing you know like like he gets the ball he puts the ball through for, for Jesus who turns uh, Dallow superbly and slots it past Anana, who is in my fantasy team, which isn't ideal, but at the same time, I'd rather just put six past him if it means I get to see it. Um, Varun, where Ben was talking about the relief of the rice goal, what were you feeling when Jesus put the ball past Anana? Uh, okay, uh, so three things, I think, uh, if I can remember them all. I'm still, my heart's not quite calmed down enough yet, but... Um, the first thing that kind of popped into my head was obviously a little bit of relief that, okay, there's no chance now that we muck this one up, uh, that we let them back into it and somehow still make a draw. It would be tough. Second, <laughs> that would have that would have broken me if somehow we conceded after that rice goal. 
um, but Jesus putting it, you know, to bed. First of all, was relief followed immediately by, you know, what a good move, what good awareness by Jesus to know that the defender was coming, that he was likely going to slide and just be patient rather than try and rush a shot. Um, and third was kind of, you know, I was thinking a little bit about any United fans that twice in 2023, they've come to the Emirates thinking they've taken something and in injury time, they've had that stolen from them. You're a vindictive man. In the same year. Uh, and <laughs> and I'm the, the nicest feeling, the nicest feeling in football is beating Manchester United in a heartbreaking way for them. It is the single greatest feeling. There's definitely a... I, no, honestly, I, I think there's a thing when you grow up with Arsene Wenger versus Alex Ferguson, there's never not going to be that tinge. Like even though, you know, in, in recent years, Arsenal and Manchester United haven't been battling for the title as, as they were in the, the early 2000s, late 90s. But I do think there's there's still, it's retained that that importance. It feels like it's different every time we come up against Manchester United. There's there's something there. There's a there's a flavour to these games, which which separates it from a lot of the other games. Like, I don't really get that feeling when we play Liverpool. I don't really get it when we play even Man City. Like, even to a certain extent, I love beating Chelsea, but it just it doesn't feel the same. It's really interesting how how the this fixture almost kind of retains that that flavour of a derby. Um, ben, before we go, um, uh, I want to talk to you about the Rage and Ten Hag, because I just feel like it's really funny. I think it's really enjoyable to talk about. Um, uh, you said that you watched his post, the post-match presser. I watched it as well. He, in his opinion, not a offside. In his opinion, penalty on, on Hoyland from uh, the, the pull-down from Gabriel. And in his, on his opinion, um, uh, a foul on Johnny Evans for the, the goal that put us ahead from Declan Rice. Uh, what, was, what was your opinion on these? Um, I think, have to be family-friendly. I think in fairness... I can see an argument for all of them, and it makes it even sweeter the fact that none of them were given, especially with the penalty decision that you know we didn't get. That I think is, I mean, I think we should have definitely got that because I don't think that it was enough to overturn. And I don't think you know we can, we talk about whether we're biased or anything. If that's at Old Trafford and that's Manchester United winning that penalty, there is not a chance in hell that the referee is going over to the monitor and changing his mind without a shadow of like, a doubt. You know, that's the that's the annoying thing about it, isn't it? Well, exactly, and it, it, honestly, it couldn't happen to a worse side. So, I always enjoy, as you say, there's always a nice sweetness to being Manchester United. But yeah, I just think he he set his side up without any way of getting the ball from back to front, passed it around the back for a bit, said they played well. Then, when it was one-one, was happy to settle for a draw with Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans coming on. Uh, I know Maguire came on for an injury, but you know, Johnny Evans coming on, that says all you need to know. And then when they lose, he complains about the fact they shouldn't have lost. So in my mind, he's not really got a leg to stand on. Yes, they could have won the game and he probably would have come out and said, oh, it was a great game plan. We executed it perfectly. But the truth was they were second best for much of that game. And they got ultimately what they deserved, even though we didn't play well enough to probably earn the win in the same way. So I think that he, I can see why he's salty, and in a way that makes it even better. But I don't really think he has anything to to complain about. By the it, more broadly speaking, on how he set his side up to play, he can't really point to moments and say, "Well, you know, we deserve to win, and we should have won." You know, he'll probably come out and say, "We should have won like five one next time." Because why wouldn't he? Uh, ben, in uh, in retrospect, does it feel even sweeter 
that we beat Manchester United by, you know, sending them two daggers in Fergie time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the same with, with Eddie and Ketia last season. It also pisses me off a bit that they managed to cling on for as long as they do all the time. It's like they they always seem to find a way to stay in the games with us and we should be putting them to bed so much earlier. Like even the 3-1 defeat at Old Trafford where they hit us on the break three times last season, it was a case where, you know, we were the better side. I remember Gary Neville was moaning about like how well we were playing football for 20, 25 minutes. He was saying we hadn't seen anything like it other than Manchester City where we just hadn't penned in and we couldn't score. And every single, like with the Saka chance as well, we don't finish them off when we have the chance and it always annoys me because it means that you have you know, United fans on social media or United fans, you know, coming out and saying, oh, well, we beat you this, that and the other with a better team or whatever. And anyone with a pair of eyes can see who the better team is when we play and it's not them. Yeah. And I think also if, you know, if, if you look at Tenag, obviously it's it's in it's in his prerogative to, to complain anything he feels he can complain on because it takes a bit of heat off his team. But I think really he should be, when he goes back to analyze this game, he should look at an Arsenal team that didn't get out of second gear and still dominated the entire game. And, you know, that says a lot about not just the quality of their team, but also the quality of their setup, because whatever plan they had, you know, you could argue that they got the goal from Rashford. You know, they had three shots, two of which were on target. Um, uh, one of the which was obviously the, the Rashford goal. Didn't really, other than a few kind of flashes on the counter, which in my opinion, a, a 10 hog Manchester United team shouldn't be looking at exclusively attacking on the counter. They had no meaningful possession they had no real attacking intent it was all very let's try and like wear the game down if we get a chance on the counter we get a chance on the counter which to me is prime stoke territory so you know if if i was ten hag i'd be looking at that but i think that's a good place for us to leave it um uh, it's been an incredible game where i mean as uh, as we've said not perfect but for me incredible way to end it like this is the the kind of games that football is, is football for, isn't it? Like you go up against one of your age old rivals and you get a couple of goals at the depth, especially after they came about centimeters away from winning it themselves. So, uh, thanks very much for listening this far. I've been joined by the crunchiest Ben. Say goodbye, Ben. Yeah, thanks. Um, I don't really know what to say for that one. Um, I don't even know what the opposite of crunchy is. So smooth, smooth. No, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you, Crunchy Ben. We've also been joined by the iciest Varun. That's a cool one, Varun. How do you feel about that? Oh, I like that. I think the generator has been kind to me for once with that one. <laughs> um, we've also been joined by um, the loudest Luke, which is myself. And probably doesn't describe me that way, but we've also beaten the saltiest Ten Hag. So thanks very much for, for listening in. We're going to be back over the international break for more podcasts. So please stick back uh, with us then. I hope you had a great day. I know we have. And see you later. Erdegaard is joining in. And he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the race, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Oh,